Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me, as always, Josh Brown. Josh, how you doing? Good, Dan. How about you? Doing great. And Maury Hirschgordon. Maury, how are you? Dan, glad to be back. I was down in the Caribbean for a little bit, but back to TBT. Calendar flipped to 2017, and that means all eyes are on TBT 2017. Sounds tough down there in the Caribbean, huh? That was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> eight, eight days and 85 degrees and sunny. I came back, and we flew into Hartford. I flew back into Connecticut, and... Oh God, it was like 25 degrees and really cold and not what I had for, for a week. Well, good for you for getting down there. So we have some great stuff this week. It's going to be a Colorado-themed podcast. Uh, we've got interviews with both Marcus Hall, who was really one of the stars of TBT 2017, and I know, Maury, uh, you spoke to him. Sounds like it was a great interview with him. It was a great interview. I mean, Marcus is one of the new faces and bright stars of TBT, Dan, and averaging 25 points a game, talked a lot about his personal game, um, as well as, you know, how he and his teammates kind of formed that chemistry and camaraderie right out of the gate. Marcus had, you know, a 31-point game and a 27-point game in the opening region uh, in the West Regional before they came out to Philly for the Super 16. And just how big training camp was and the new facilities he got to use at Colorado that weren't there uh, during his time in Colorado. And then, you know, obviously all the success they had getting to New York City and being the new stars and the new faces of TBT. And Josh, after that, you spoke to Trent Beckley, who was a former player at Colorado as well, but served as the GM for Team Colorado last summer in TBT. I did, yeah, Dan. He uh, working over at Google now, Trent, doing very well for himself. And I actually, we were on video for a couple uh, of moments before we began the interview, and I saw uh, his big kind of, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, the, the office he had was unbelievable, unlike anything I've seen. So doing well for himself, a lot of updates on the team, how they put it together. Uh, going from 2015 to 2016, where they made um, you know a, a real big kind of uh, stride and went from a team who got bounced early on to making the championship. So a lot to go over with Trent. Yep, that sounds awesome. All right, so let's get to these interviews. We'll do Marcus Hall first, and after that, you're going to hear from Trent Beckley, both of Team Colorado. I want to welcome in Marcus Hall, a point guard from Team Colorado. Marcus, thanks for hopping in on the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. And 25 points a game. You had quite the summer in TBT. Really prolific score. How'd you first hear about the tournament? Um, the, not the first year. The, the second year of the tournament, uh, Bo Gamble kind of, he, he, he reached out to me. And, you know, he basically asked, what do you think about getting a team together? You know, do you think you can get enough guys? And, um, you know, me being, you know, a, a fan of the game, you know, I've always written down, you know, teams that I think could win, you know, certain leagues. And I've done it in Turkey. I've done it, you know, in summer ball and, you know, in, in pro-am ball. So, you know, it was, it was, it was something that I wanted to do um, initially before it started and we had the chance to do it for, for money and on a, on a, on a big stage. So, you know, we were kind of like, why not? Was the added factor of playing with some of, you know, your friends and your boys from Colorado and some of the other alumni from, from the school, was that an added bonus? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I had this opportunity. I came, you know, you, you, you would think, you wonder if I even, you know, know who, Marcus Rowe for not know who he is, but you know, I would be able to have a conversation with him or but know awesome default as well as I know him because I never played with those guys. And um, you know, the opportunity to to, to play with Rich again, you know, Rich was I always said that Rich is the best two guard I've ever played with. And, you know, the opportunity to play with him again and for me and Dominique to kinda have our games mature and play play again together, you know, it was something that I definitely wanted, you know, to be involved with. That's awesome. I, I had Austin on the on the show in the fall and in, in around October, November time. And he said, you know, training camp was really big, really helped your team chemistry out and camaraderie. What was it like going back, you know, to Colorado, to, to the Denver area and, and meeting up with everybody for the first time and, you know, hitting the court? Yeah, it was it was amazing, you know, because uh, for one, we were able to get everyone out there. You know, we, we didn't. We didn't think that was going to, you know, end up happening. And it did, you know, and guys bought in initially the first practice. And, we, you know, we, com we competed in the mornings. And, uh, you know, for a couple of days, we had two days. In the afternoon, we'd come back and play the, 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 the current guys, you know. So we got 
think, you know, we should be thankful to the TBT that we have this now because it's something that, that can be carried on throughout, you know, the rest of Colorado basketball history. I mean, the TBT is no joke. I mean, just like your team, I know, you know, the Bayheim's Army team in Syracuse and, and a ton of the other alumni teams and teams that participated in TBT, not only in 2016, 2014, 2015 as well. You know, they take this really yeah. seriously. It seems like the training camps, you know, are, are very common across the board. Once you got there, though, that was a new facility at Colorado, I think I remember Austin telling me, correct? Yeah. So how was that? I mean, uh, you know, when, when when I was there, I graduated in 2008, and, you know, we we struggled. Our senior year, we had to, you know, use the, the women's locker room because they were doing construction during the season, you know, so... We were we were in the visitors' women's locker room at that time, and you know, just to for, to end on that note and come back and see, you know, where those guys, you know, the, the type of facilities that they have, their own weight room, you know, two practice gyms. It's amazing, and, and I'm glad that that I can, you know, come back and still be a part of. It. Your senior year for the for Colorado, you averaged just about 15 points a game. Your first two games in TBT this summer, Marcus, you average about 30 points a game. How how big of a difference did training camp help? Because you know all three, all there, everybody on your team played for three different coaches on Team Colorado. So so how big uh, was training camp for you to kind of get the ball rolling and you really hit the ground running from the start? It was huge. You know, it was we were we were able to. Uh you know, get get a few of the kinks out and, and get everybody relaxed and kind of try to figure out our roles before we had an actual game. And I think that was a, a big difference compared to the first year. I think we were kind of shocked by the competition. Um, we weren't, you know, prepared as far as, you know, knowing who we were playing. And, uh, you know, this time we, we, you know, we knew the two teams that, we had a possibility of playing the next round and you know we focused on keeping games close and and you know in the last five minutes we felt like you know we could we could beat anyone you escape the west region you beat two good teams you're on to philadelphia you travel across country when did it really hit you that you know that two million dollars could maybe be a possibility and you could get to new york city it was absolutely in Philadelphia when, you know, because all of the teams played in one gym. You know, you have eight games, 16 teams. You get to pretty much see every team play. And, uh, you know, we don't have to beat the other 15 teams. We have three more wins to get to the championship at this point. You know, we felt like our road, you know, as long as, like I said, we, we played defense and, and, and kept the game close that in the last, you know, five, four or five minutes that, we could execute and have a chance to win ball games. You guys sure did. You get to Philadelphia. The first opponent you play in the Super 16 was the defending runner-up, Team 23. Any nerves going into that one? What's to say that again? I said, any nerves going into the game against Philadelphia? You travel all the way across country. You're going up against Team 23, who was in that championship game last year. And, you know, they had yeah. a ton of experience in TBT. Yeah, I mean, it, we we wanted it. We wanted it. Like I said, we we played them, you know, the, the the year before, and they beat us. They beat us good, and you know, we weren't prepared. They 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 put it on us, and we felt like, you know, we had the pieces to compete with them, and and that was the biggest thing. You know, once I think that was our most emotional win because uh, we we didn't we felt like we didn't play that good, and we had you know, at a, at a point an eighteen point lead in our 17 point lead in the game so that was definitely our most emotional and, and one that we targeted on the on the way you had a ton you've you've had a ton of success overseas as a professional like you alluded to a couple minutes ago your teammate austin dufault won four straight games in four days in 2012 to help lead colorado your alma mater to the ncaa tournament how much of that experience winning games with your backs against the wall did you guys use you know, in the Super 16, in the Elite Eight? It definitely came into play. I mean, that and, and, and the character, of, you know, the, the the type of guys that we have, it, it definitely, you know, came together. We um, 
we didn't get rattled. You know, we didn't get rattled. And, uh, you know, everybody's been in the situation. And we knew that, you know, playing against other teams that we were the underdog. So that, that kind of fueled us into, uh, you know, getting over mistakes and moving on to the next play and trying to capitalize and win, win the game. Do you think being the underdog kind of helped you guys because maybe teams didn't take you as seriously and you could jump out to a 10, 15 point lead like you did, you know, for the majority of your wins? Um, we, we knew what we had, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think it definitely helped fuel us, but you know, I think something else will come into effect that'll fuel us not being necessarily the underdog, but you know, getting close uh, this past, this last time will be the next thing that fuels us. But we, we, uh, we knew what we had, and and it definitely, you know, did encourage us a little more. You guys get through Philadelphia. You erased a nine-point halftime deficit against a really good team, Utah team, Terrence and Tim Drisdom. You know, really dynamic backcourt. But again, Marcus Hall and Team Colorado come through. You get to New York City. You're now in the bright lights. You know. Did the whole Colorado community kind of rally around you guys? I know, you know, the current head coach flew out to New York City. Austin told me back in the fall his parents came out. Were you guys really starting yeah. to feel like superstars at this at this point in the summer? It, it felt good. It felt it felt really, really good. You know, I played with Corey Higgins, who, you know, played NBA, won a EuroLeague championship. Um, you know, Andre Roberson is playing with the Thunder. He's a Texas guy, so I know him. You know, I never played with Nate, but I've always, you know, you know, liked his game and have, you know, been, you know, had conversations with him. So to, to have those guys come support us was, was amazing. And, um, you know, not just those guys that were there, you know, the, the messages we were getting on Facebook, the love throughout, you know, not even the Final Four, even, you know, in the Sweet 16, it was amazing. And, and especially to me because, you know, I my four years in at CU I didn't go to the NCAA tournament. You know, I we, we had two really good teams that finished top four in the Big Twelve. You know, for whatever reason, both times the fifth place team went to the tournament. So it was it was um it, it was actually, you know, bittersweet to uh you know, have that, that feeling of having a winning um being able to win, you know, for the University of Colorado. Now I asked Austin this question that I'm about to ask you, and and to the to the average fan, someone might raise their eyebrow and say, "Well, yeah, n- you know, no duds." Clearly, was the biggest game you know of your life when you go to that two million dollar winner take all championship game. But Austin said he had to think about it. He was talking to a couple of his teammates, talking to his parents, to his friends. He didn't really know if that $2 million winner-take-all championship game was the biggest of his career because he said as a little kid he always dreamed of playing in the NCAA tournament. You didn't have that success at the collegiate level, but you've had it as a professional in other leagues. So, Marcus, was that $2 million winner-take-all championship game the biggest of your life? Um, for, for me personally... That was the biggest basketball game that I've been a part of till this day. You know, um, for for a number of reasons. You know, obviously it's a huge payday, and you know, not for myself, but more so for my teammates, um, guys who you know who aren't still playing or doesn't have a chance to play at some of the high that you know the level maybe that a couple of us others are. But. Um, you know, I, I the opportunity that that you know to play on ESPN, and again, I keep saying this, you know, t- to play for college, and you're not in college again. You know, it was just you, I would have never dreamed that I had that opportunity again after playing basketball outside of the NBA. You know, so well, you definitely have that opportunity. Sorry, you can go, you can continue. No, 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 I was just saying, you know, I, I won't take that, that game. You know, I didn't take that game for granted. I definitely didn't take it as another game um, for numerous reasons. You know, I, I tried to give everything I had, you know, and, and because I understood the, the level. Well, you did give it everything you had. You came up a bit short. So, you know, with the quick turnaround, 
No, now it's 2017. The calendar is flipped. How do the preparations change, you know, heading into this year when you know personally and collectively as a team that you guys have a target on your back? It's good, you know, I think that we'll, throughout training camp and throughout, you know, the journey of trying to win it all, I think we'll we'll keep that in mind, you know, that guys are going to be targeting us. Every team's going to want to knock us out. Team 23 is going to want to get back at us. You know, Team Utah's going to want to get back at us, just like we wanted to get back. So, you know, we, we're going to come back stronger. I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to come back stronger. There's going to be a lot better teams. And, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot for us to, to get back to the place that we was. But, um, we, we you know, we, we're already starting to, to, to get prepared, you know. And we're already trying to get a couple extra guys, you know, to, uh, to, to, to a couple extra Buffaloes to help us, you know, win it all. You beat me to my next question. It was about to. I was about to ask you. You know, have you had you guys started talking about it? But it it seems like you know the consensus throughout you know our entire season two here on the TBT podcast that you know the conversation about the TBT never really ends. Uh, so it seems like you know that's been the same for you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's 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 fun because it's it's what we like to do. It's a hobby. And it's it's something that we're doing outside of what whatever it is that every person really does, you know, whatever real job that we have, we still, you know, are able to to, to build our team and and start strategizing and you know getting things together. It's 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 fun for us, and um, you know we're we we didn't expect this much to come out of you know getting the team together, and you know we're just thankful that that we do have a team that, you know, understands what's at stake and, and is all about it. What's it going to take to beat Overseas Elite? They haven't lost a game in two years, and you guys were oh so close. <laughs> You're on the wrong person. <laughs> I think we can beat Overseas today, Elite today, you know, if we play it again. So, you know, it just we, we, we had our opportunities to, to, to win and close the game. They're, they're a team. They don't get rattled. You know, that's their best quality is that they don't get rattled, and they have multiple guys who can score the ball. I think um, you know the the main thing is just just being poised and and just showing them that you know you aren't you aren't going you aren't going anywhere that you want to be there for the night. And long as you know, like I said, keep the strategy of locking up. You know, moving the ball and and keeping the game close to the end, and you know we'll see. Who can close it out? Marcus Hall, one of the newest stars and faces of TBT, like I mentioned earlier. 25 points a game for Team Colorado. Won five games against with their backs against the wall. Went to New York City, went to the championship game, fell just a little bit short in that $2 million game. Marcus, thanks for hopping on. Right before you leave, though, you know, I have a question. You are from Houston. Clearly you're a big basketball yeah. fan. We're all big basketball fans here in TBT. The numbers James Harden has been putting up, you know, this year have been, you know, astronomical. Aside from Russell Westbrook, do you think James Harden is uh, in the lead for the NBA NBA MVP? He's absolutely right now, with without any argument, the MVP. And you know, this is coming from a guy. You know, my cousin played basketball as well, and we have a lot of conversations. This is coming from a guy who's very critical of James Harden. You know, I didn't enjoy the thirty-point playoff losses. I don't like the, the the no energy on defense. But right now, today, he's the MVP of the NBA. The way he's playing, the way he has his teammates playing, you know, the way he's being a leader on and off the floor. I think that if he continues this, it'll be you know, without a doubt, that he'll win it. Marcus Hall, thanks so much for giving some giving us some of your time. We really look forward to seeing you, you know, in July in the TBT and hopefully back in New York City this summer. Hey, I appreciate it, and, and, and I'll see you soon. Welcoming in Trent Beckley now to the TBT podcast. lot to go over with Trent, the GM of Team Colorado. Trent, uh, I got a little look at your office before we got going here, sitting out in sunny California. Thank you for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And Trent, we'll get into uh, you a little bit, but kind of just looking at Team Colorado, uh, I, I, you know, when I when we kind of figured out that we we're going to do the podcast, I, I said I have to be honest with Trent right off the bat. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you checked out the site during the registration process. I did a lot of the rankings and um, more of the content stuff, and I, I never had you guys that high. Um, you know, I was what uh, obviously followed TBT in 2015 very high. I watched you guys. And uh, I always had you guys like 23, 22, etc. And you guys just completely, obviously, proved me wrong, proved a lot of people wrong. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of it, did you feel like with this Team Colorado team, obviously, if you don't know, they made the championship game in 2016, um, a great run for them. Did you know right off the bat this team had the potential to make it that far, or were you as surprised as I was? No, you know, I think when all of us got together and realized that we wanted to do this the first time around, um, we had a lot of talent. Um, we had a lot of professional basketball players on our team. Um, a lot of names that maybe the guys on the East Coast haven't heard of, um, kind of growing up in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 as of late. Um, but we knew what we had. Um, and when we looked around at a lot of the other rosters, we knew that a lot of the rosters weren't as complete as ours. Um, and I think the first year we went about it, um, we didn't really take it seriously. We went out to L.A. and we lost to Team 23 um, in a competitive game, um, but we didn't take it seriously. We didn't you know, have a, a training camp beforehand. Um, we really thought we could walk out there and win some games, and we really just came out that day and came out flat. You know, I think we were all excited to see each other, and a lot of us hadn't seen each other for a while. Um, and we learned a lesson there, and, and you know, Bo Gamble did a great job the first year kicking it off, but I knew if I was going to take over the second year, we were going to take it very seriously because anything I do, I don't do um, with the expectation of not being successful at it. Um, so we knew that we had a chance, but we had to build the right recipe, and that started off with the transfer or prior to the tournament. Um, and we all knew that we had the talent. We just needed to put the pieces together. Now, Trent, kind of just take us through your role on the team. You mentioned having a team in 2015 and you taking more of a, a leadership role in 2016. So just kind of explain your role on the team going from 2015 to 2016, you individually. Yeah. Um, so me individually, you know, the first year, Bo Gamble, who was kind of my co-GM the second year, um, he put together the roster, started organizing the team and raised the funds to, to get everyone to, to Los Angeles for the first weekend. Um and I, and I have a unique spot um, being able to play for the last three coaches at University of Colorado, Patton, Vestelic, um, and Boyle. So I kind of sit in a unique seat where I have just relationships and, and close friendships with a lot of the players across the different generations. Um, so I, I, I help Bo Gamble support and kind of just building the original roster. And then fortunately, I live in Los Angeles. Um, and that first year, the West region was out in Los Angeles. So I played host to a number of the players. Um, and I was just kind of on the bench, kind of just being a supporting role as it, as it was here in Los Angeles. Um, and the next year, Bo Gamble just said he didn't have the time. Um, it was a lot for him, and he was kind of getting busy in his career. And I just had a little bit more bandwidth to share. So, I, you know, I, I said I'll take it over this year, um, this year being last year, um, and really kind of said if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Um, so me and Bo kicked off a call probably two months prior, put together a financial plan, how we were going to raise the funds, how we were going to build a training camp. And we really took it seriously this year. We built a business model, we built a plan out. Um, and quite honestly, I think the lessons that we learned over those two years is, yeah, the talent, that's one thing. Um, but you got to be able to build an actual team, a roster that works together, one that plays the system correctly to win the TBT. Um, a lot of it was trial and error the first year, and I kind of stepped in and really put a little bit more firepower um, from a relationship standpoint, standpoint with the players, we didn't have a coach the first year. Dwight Thorne, we brought on as a head coach the second year. He was my best friend. I was in his wedding a month before the TBT. Um, so it was a really tight-knit group, um, and I was really able to bring kind of the cohesiveness that we really needed to, to take our game to the next level. Now, you played for uh, Colorado, obviously. I believe it was 06 to 11, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, what's kind of the culture of Colorado basketball? I mean, anyone who went to that TBT championship game saw the fans, you had an attendance, um, traveling, obviously, overseas elite. They have a lot more local guys. It's not that hard for them to get to New York. You guys had a lot of fans travel for that game. And I, I think people might think of Colorado basketball, and they might not... Um, they might not associate it with, you know, the fan base that we saw at TBT. So just kind of talk about, in general, the culture of Colorado basketball and your time uh, playing for the university. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of a, it's an interesting topic and one that we're continually battling at the University of Colorado. But, you know, people don't know, and especially people on the East Coast, Colorado's made four out of the last, NCAA, four out of the last six NCAA tournaments, um, World of Pac-12 tournament. Um, my, my senior year, we had Alec Burks, we had Andre Roberson, Corey Higgins, um, all who were very, very successful in the NBA and overseas. Um, and the, if you look back at win-loss records, the University of Colorado is probably in the top 10 as far as home court advantage. We play at altitude. We have a packed house every night. But it's just not one of the programs that's on TV all the time. Um, but when we talk about the program in general um, and kind of the culture and the energy around it, it's, it's really evolved um, over the last, I'd say, uh, eight to ten years. Um, when I came in um, my freshman year, we had eight freshmen come in under Ricardo Patton his last year, um, and he told us he was he was resigning at the beginning of the year, so we played for a lame duck coach uh, for an entire year. Um, when I look back on that, I think eight were freshmen. By the time I graduated, there was only two of us left. Um, so there was a lot of uh, turnover, um, a lot of uh, you know trimming the fat. A lot of things changed. But over that five years I was there, I redshirted a medical redshirt one year. We went from, I think we were, you know, six and 20 or something like that to my senior year when we won 24 games. Uh, we were the, the snub of a lifetime when we had, you know, six top 25 wins, beat Kansas State, who was ranked number eight, um, three times that season and made it to the Big 12 semifinals and lost to Kansas in a close game um, to not making the NCAA tournament and to make it all the way to the final four of the NIT. So, it was kind of a really great story for a lot of us that came in there to a program that was kind of in the dumps um, and kind of rebuilt it by the time we left. Um, we had three NBA players on the team. The next year, they won the Pac-12 and went to the NCAA tournament and made it to the second round. Um, it's, it's, it's really a great story. Um, Boulder's a really, really special place. Um, and when kids end up going to school in Boulder, um, I don't think they really understand what kind of town they're going to. You know, I think a lot of the world wants to move to Boulder. It's a beautiful place. It's got great energy. Um, it's not known for its basketball, but it's known for great athletes, whether if it's, you know, cyclists or cross-country runners and, and football players. But, you know, it's a very special place and a special arena at Coors Event Center. Um, and it's an, it's a program that continues to get better. Um, they're having a tough patch right now with the Pac-12 is so good. Um, with you, you know, just losing to UCLA last night. But um, we're taking it one game at a time. I'm sure we'll we'll be back in the NCAA tournament this year and continue to, as they say in Colorado, be on the rise. So Trent, obviously, uh, you kind of mentioned there how the team came up, but looking at the Colorado program as a whole, uh, what kind of involvement did they have in uh, you know the team? You know, obviously, every alumni team is different. How much the program gets involved, doesn't get involved. We obviously saw a big contingent in that championship game, but as a whole, uh, how much you know, or and how willing was the athletic department willing uh, in the program in general to jump in, support you guys, and, and kind of watch you and follow you as you made that run. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. So, I mean, I think back two years ago, it was just so new. Um, but, you know, at, at first, you know, we just got support from the, the sports information directors. They helped connect us to, to the, the local beat writers and the people that could help us, you know, uh, develop some boats and, and spread the word on social media and stuff. And, and to be honest, they were a little bit hesitant um, to get involved. Because I think those, those lines between professional and collegiate um, weren't necessarily clear. And I think um, this is, you know, this whole TBT in general is very innovative um, and kind, kind of trying to um, cross those lines and see where the two programs can kind of meet. Um, so at first they were a little bit hesitant um, and they really just didn't know what we were doing. Um, and then we went out there the first year and kind of laid a goose egg um, and just and just didn't really represent ourselves uh, the way that we think we probably should have. Um, and then when we took over the second year, um, when I stepped in and and um, kind of take, took lead from a leadership and a GM perspective. We knew that we wanted to do it a different way. We wanted to do it a better way. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I think we took our lessons that we learned from the first year. You know what I mean? I don't think we did anything wrong. Um, and we kind of pushed forward and, and we, we really reached out, um, established earlier communication with the school, um, brought it to their attention that we wanted to hold a training camp, that we wanted to bring back the alum. We wanted to make it not just about us, but we wanted to make it about the current players, right? I mean, there's a, there's something to be said about current players, you know, having mentors that play overseas because the reality is, is most players probably won't play in the NBA, but they will have some sort of career overseas. So we wanted to make this about the whole program in general, not just about, you know, Team Colorado. 
so as we started to put more um, of an emphasis on that, you know, they, they were much more receptive. They gave us gym time. They gave us, um, they set up a huge tour of the brand new facilities for the football team in the Champion Center. Uh, coach Boyle, the head coach, hosted us at his house for a team dinner, cooked barbecue with all the players. So we all got to mingle and really spend some time together. Um, and then when the, when the players left, Coach Boyle um, just got to know all of us kind of on a personal level. And we had some beers because, you know, we're, we're of age now. So it was a really unique situation, and we all really got to, got to create a bond there. And then when I think about back to the first day of training camp, we had our own team practice in the morning where we started to enter some plays and just kind of see where everyone was and how you know where they were in their conditioning and, and really what they can contribute. Um, and then that evening, we had our first scrimmage against the current CU team. Um, and at one point, I think we had probably 30 current and alumni players in the gym. Um, and it was something special. You know, I mean, I played there for five years, and there wasn't more than one or two alum players that came back to the school. So when, when Coach Boyle saw this, when Coach Boyle saw, you know, our intentions, um, his eyes lit up. You know what I mean? I think it was something special that he hadn't even seen since he was there um, at the program, and it was really an opportunity for us to really bridge the gap uh, between generations. Um, and when we think about it, you know, it's tough for us to compete with the Arizonas and the UCLA's, um, but if we can, you know, create something different that shows that this program is about more than just the current team, we have a platform that helps people succeed after college, um, then we kind of have something special. So when, when that started to, to become the picture, they really jumped on board and really gave us the, the resources um, as far as gym time and support uh, to really be able to, to put a team together that was willing to or was able to really com- compete at the level that we needed to compete at in the TBT. Now, you just talked about training camp, and I don't think people realize when you put training camp um, and, and you end with making the championship game the farthest you can make it, that's a big part of the summers of these guys. That's, I mean, a good two, I don't know when you guys started, but a two, two-and-a-half-month stretch where, you know, this is a, a big you know priority for them and what they're doing. You mentioned the athletic department there, but um, and I know you guys were had a couple of guys, or, you know, the, 25th, or the 2015 team, uh, obviously some uh, guys carry over from that team, but um, this year in particular were, you know, after the way that uh, you guys exited in 2015, were any guys hesitant or were any new guys that you tried to get on board, were they hesitant giving up uh, a good portion of their summer or did everyone kind of just jump right in? Well, it's funny you ask. I mean, because the first time we did it, you know, it was just one weekend. There wasn't a training camp. Everyone really kind of got just got a trip to L.A. and we got to catch up with our old buddies. So it really didn't take much of their schedule. Um, but I do know that when I started to recruit the players – um, there was a number of players that just were hesitant to commit because they didn't they didn't enjoy the experience based on the way we approached the game. You know what I mean? It was kind of just pick up ball out there. We hadn't really put some thought into what we were doing. We really didn't have a coach. Um, so I, I, you know, I was laying the foundation two months before training camp even started. Right, selling these players on on what we're doing differently this year, why it makes sense for them to invest their summer, um, and, and at the same time, you know. I think it's important to understand that when these guys have the off season, right, they need time to rest. But at the same time, they also need to continue to play at a high level. Um, and it's very difficult for a lot of these guys to be able to find pickup games um, and competitive games that are playing at the level that they want to continue to play at. Um, so you can kind of position it and make them uh, uh, view this opportunity as a way to get better. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I think we all have a special uh, bond together. Um, we all kind of share the special um, passion for Colorado and our school, so it's, it, it makes it a little bit easier when you're getting back together with you know what you could call your fraternity brothers, if you will. Um, so that that part is not difficult. But looking back at last year, um, it was a long, long journey, right? And I think a very emotional journey. And, and a lot of the guys kidded that you know they gave me their whole summer. Um, but you know we we went into this. We didn't think, you know, we didn't expect to win the whole thing. You know, I don't think you expect to do that. You expect to compete and see how far you can take it. But I will tell you that we prepared to win every single game like we could. Um, and I think that was the, the recipe for us is that we put all we could into preparation. You kind of let the basketball game play itself out. Um, and when you do that and, and you got a special group of guys, um, no one's afraid to give up their summer because at the end of the day, win or lose that money, we, we, it was the most fun any of us have ever had. Absolutely, and you hear that from so many people coming back together and uh, after playing with guys they might not really know overseas to be able to come play uh, with 
people from the team. One guy on the team, um, I have to ask you about Marcus Hall, really. Um, was You know, we named him one of the TBT on the all-tournament team, one of the guards on that team. Uh, really, you know, Fran Fraschilla had nothing but good things to say about him. Really, everyone was taken back by him and the performance he had. And really, uh, the message, too, he had after the championship game uh, on Facebook where he uh, kind of said, you know, what do we do from here back in the gym to get better? Just kind of on and off the court, a guy who really uh, stole the show last year and a guy who I felt, you know, I, I follow college basketball was maybe – uh, a little underappreciated, uh, you know, when he was in college, and really then uh, captivated the fan base. Just talk about what it was like to watch him uh, put together, you know, such a special month and a half. Yeah, I, you know, to, to first of all, um, I've been lucky enough to have Marcus Hall be a close friend for me my whole entire, you know, life since college, um, and I've known how special that kid was, and. You know, he had, you know, some injuries and some academic things that kind of just held him back from seeing his full potential, whatever year it was, you know what I mean? And then some years the rosters were loaded. Um, but I played with him for many years, and I knew how special and talented that kid was. When we built this team the second year, we built it around Marcus Hall. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind that we knew who he is, what he's capable of, and I don't know if he's ever been put in a situation where it was kind of his team. Um, and when we thought about building the roster, we knew we needed a guy to run pick and rolls with him, and Austin Default was the perfect guy. Um, and then we needed a guy to stretch the floor out, and it was Levi Knutson. Um, and, and the way we built this roster, we built it for Marcus Hall to be successful, and he kind of took it on to his back and just um, showed the world what he's really, really capable of. And I think you know, a lot of people um, that find success in this game are just waiting for the right opportunity in the right situation. Um, and we really found him in his perfect situation, and I'm so happy the world got to see what Marcus Hall is capable of. He's one of the most genuine guys. Um, he comes from, uh, you know, a, a great basketball background. He was raised in Houston, where you know it's some of the most competitive, toughest basketball in the world. Um, and people saw how tough he was. I, you know, I don't know if people knew, but he played with a broken hand the entire tournament. Um, so. It doesn't get any tougher than Marcus Hall. He's our leader. He's always been our leader at Colorado. People don't necessarily know who he was when he was at Colorado, but I'm so happy that the basketball world now knows who Marcus Hall is. Um, and, you know, this is kind of more of an intimate thing, but in that locker room after we lost, you know, arguably one call goes another way, we win that game. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and we were absolutely crushed in that locker room. And, and the first one to say something was Marcus Hall, and, and he came to us and said, it doesn't matter what happened out there today. This was the most fun I've ever had playing basketball in my career. Um, and that really put it put this whole thing in perspective for all of us. I think we all got caught up in the money, you know, in the last five minutes of that game, and it's hard not to. Um, but when we look back on things, I mean, that's what basketball is about is having fun. You get back to the playground days and you're with your buddies having fun. And that's why Marcus Hall plays basketball. Yeah, I mean, Mark, some guys play basketball because they're tall. Some guys play basketball because their parents put in, put them into the sport. Marcus Hall is a baller. You know what I mean? And, I, and many people can learn from him and, and shape their games after him. I mean, his one foot runner in the finals. No one's ever seen that from yeah. three. You know what I mean? That was a special shot. And that's kind of what put us on the map as far as that game overseas elite knew we were we weren't messing around i mean we came out right away and went up 20 um and it, it's just unfortunate that we got into foul trouble with the guards and they made some good coaching decisions to go small on us when we had you know not as much depth of the guard spot um so you know things could have gone differently but marcus hall put it all out there um and it's easy um for guys to buy in when you have a leader like marcus hall and i I'll, i'm not to ramble but i'll go back to training camp after practice one day, we had a couple guys that didn't know Marcus Hall um, and didn't know what he was about, and they played one-on-one -on -one for about an hour and a half after practice. And Marcus Hall just gave them all the work. Um, and, after, <laughs> after, after, and I'm talking 101 moves. And every single guy that didn't know him then, by the end of that day, they were like, I'm following your lead, man. You are, but you are the toughest guy I've ever met. You're you're inspirational, and, and I'm on board. So... It was. I mean, I get chills thinking about how everyone bought in and, and that the fact that we were blessed to have such a tremendous leader. 
Absolutely. And uh, just a couple more things. We're not going to keep you too long. Um, playing on the national stage when you made it to the Final Four, what was what was that experience like? Obviously, um, you know, you're on TV uh, when you make it to the Super 16, but, I mean, you guys had uh, ESPN tweeting about the team. Uh, I'm sure all your buddies back home from Colorado watching, you know, family, friends, etc. What's it like to, to truly be on a national stage, and especially heading into that championship te- game against a team who never lost? Um, you know, they were... They were probably the heavy favorites coming into the game uh, and knowing kind of the world, really. I mean, uh, the ratings for the game, it beat USA Basketball. So everyone was watching that game. What was it like knowing uh, that you were a part of that? I mean, it's a special thing. Um, you know, growing up in the Big 12 and, and, and playing at that level, you know, there's games that are like that. And I think, you know, as Marcus said in one of his interviews, you know, when you graduate, you don't know or don't think you'll ever play in that stage again. You know, they go over and play overseas and make money and do that, but they don't get to play in a game with that much exposure where their family and friends can watch. Um, so it's a special moment. And, you know, less about me, but more about them. You know what I mean? That this is what they do. This is their lives. And, and to be able to put that on a platform where they can show the world how much they've improved, you know what I mean, how much they've continued to work on their game. I think that's one of the coolest things is I saw tons of tweets to Austin, to Marcus, you know, just commenting on how much their games have evolved um, since they left school. And, and for people to see and receive credit um, for the work they've put in, you know, when the, when the lights aren't on as much as they used to be in college, um, I mean, all uh, it's special for those guys, and you know, I, I, it's not really about me. I'm just the GM. I'm just pulling the, the strings on the back end to make it all possible. But to see those guys, you know, their eyes light up. To see Levi Knutson hit big time shots again, I mean, that's special stuff for all of us, and we'll always remember that for the rest of our lives. Um, and it gives us a little bit of taste of what we can do again this year. Well, that that actually led me to one of my final questions. It's uh, you, I mean, you kind of answered it right there, but uh, I think what everyone wants to know about all these teams when we have different GMs and players on, what's next for Colorado? I know it's it's early, January 13th, although we're starting to get, um, you know, into the thick of things, but, um, you know, any, any kind of early um, outlook on the team you can give us? Yeah, you know, to be honest, it took us about two months to recover from that loss. I mean, we all we all kid about it, but we were all depressed for probably two months because of the emotional high and, and the come down from it. But, you know, I think we've all kind of cleared our minds from it now. And now, you know, any team that's going to win this, and I don't know if the pot's going to get bigger, but they better start planning now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because the teams that, you know, have found success have, have kind of found the recipe, um, and we're going to continue to follow the recipe. Um, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but we clearly need to add some pieces, um, and we're going to be able to do that. We've got some guys that are a little bit you know, older than they were the year before, um, but uh, you know, we're going to be able to focus on landing two or three more pieces. We're going to get another big guy involved. We're going to get two more guards. We already know who they are, um, and it might get to a situation where we have enough guys where we might not be able to take every guy that wants to play. Um, so we're in a unique situation where we have a brand now. You know, we don't have to convince the players that graduated what we are and what we're doing. They want to play for us. Um, so, you know, I think we've got the right fun. We've got the right core in place. As I was talking about earlier with Marcus Hall, Levi, Austin, Fall, Redford, um, and squad. And I don't want to, you know, don't forget anyone else, but everyone was a big piece of it. Um, and we got the right coach in place. So, I mean, we know what we're doing. We're coming into it. We're going to be even more prepared. Um, so, you know, these games and the way basketball is, you never know which way the ball will tip sometimes. Um, and we're going to give our shot a self. We're going to give ourselves a shot to win every ball game, and uh, hopefully things go the way they did last year. Um, but uh, we're prepared. Uh, we're going to be better than we were last year. And I think you know a lot of these teams that went and played one or two games, they learned a little bit about the game. But we learned how to win in TBT. You know, the three points closer. Um, three points are like layups for these guys. The big man's not as valued as long as we can continue to run and play good defense. Um, and we held our hat on defense the whole tournament. Um, so if we play defense and rebound and have the right system in place, we're going to give ourselves a shot to win every single game. Um, so we're confident where we're going. Um, we've already got the structure. We've got the committed training camp. Um, so, uh, and, and more than anything, all our guys are still healthy. Um, so that's a big piece about it. And if you can keep health uh, on your side, um, we'll give ourselves a shot to, to go deep in this tournament again. Absolutely. You actually reminded me of one thing, uh, and that was your coach, Dwight Thorne. I know he's working out in Denver now, I believe. Uh, 
for the University of Denver, but just how big of an asset was he? You really see in TBT the difference between teams who have a legit coach and teams who are just kind of trying to run the show. Just how big was he for your team? Because I think sometimes in TBT, coaches kind of fly under the radar and how important they are. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different, though, uh, than you would think in your traditional coaching sense. You know what I mean? Because this is, this, is, this is these guys' summer break, right? So they at the same time, they still want to have fun. They still want to um, you know, be themselves and you need to be able to have a combination of a coach that can really allow the locker room to be themselves, you know what I mean? And to really kind of open up their full personalities and, and you got to be able to bring someone in the locker room that all the players trust and that will be playing, will be willing to play for, but at the same time, a guy that's going to be able to, uh, you know, d- demand respect, um, you know, get everyone to buy in when, you know, there's only a couple seconds left on the clock. Um, and Dwight was perfect in, in his balance of being able to let the players play, um, and at the same time, being able to call the right call at the right at the end of the game. And, and I mean, two of those games, Dwight won us. Um, he called some terrific out-of-bounds plays that just scored us easy buckets. Um, and, and we kind of joke about it, but it's really kind of the perfect system when you look at LeBron and Tyron Lou, you know what I mean? And that yeah. way the system works. You know, this is Marcus Hall's team, um, and, and, and he enabled Dwight to be able to call the shots. But at the same time, they were all on the same page the whole time and really allowed the players to – to really embrace their full personality on the court. Um, and when you bring an outsider into this locker room um, that might not know the guy's personalities, but he might be an X's and O's guys, it just won't work. Um, so I think we struck Golden Dwight. Um, we'll be lucky if he doesn't get promoted um, and gets put on the road. So he can still be our coach as long as he's the director of operations. But if he's actually a, an assistant coach on any of the NCAA teams, I don't think he can no longer be the coach. So, right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, if, if, if he gets promoted, good for him. We're happy for him. He's, a, he's our brother, and we'll be proud of him, and as he should. But at the same time, uh, he'll be tough to replace if we don't have him. But we've got another option. So, we, I mean, honestly, we feel really good about where we are. We look at all the other teams that might have more talent. They don't have the recipe like us. They don't have the commitment like us. And they don't have the experience in this tournament like us. So, um, most of all the teams should watch out for Team Colorado in the 2017 TBT tournament. Absolutely. Two rapid-fire questions to end it. One, who was your favorite team to watch other than Team Colorado? City of Gods, because Xavier Silas, he's a buff himself, um, and he's a close friend of all of ours, and and to see him shoot the ball uh, as well as he shot the ball and to see his continued success um, in the D-League and and in in and out of the NBA and overseas. um, You know, we were there rooting for every single one of his games, and it was it was kind of it was a weird situation when uh, overseas elite beat them. Um, you know, we wanted to see Xavier make the finals, but at the same time, it made it a lot easier than we didn't have to go against him in the finals. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys, absolutely. And uh, last quick question: You guys came pretty much as close as anyone has ever caught. I guess Team Twenty Three as well. Um, but you guys were right there as close as anyone's come uh, as anyone's came to beating them. Fourteen and zero in TBT. What's the, uh, a very quick blueprint how to beat? Uh, overseas elite just to do exactly what we did last season um as i said one call goes a different way we win that game um so we know the recipe we're going to take it one game at a time one day at a time right now we're just making sure our guys get through the season healthy um so we can get into the summer and the off season for them and continue to work on their games and get them out to training camp and get through training camp healthy and just focus one game at a time and as i said earlier we're going to add some pieces um we're going to add a little bit more depth so we don't get put in the situation we were last year in the finals um, and uh, we'll be all right. We'll give ourselves a shot. I think the Internet would uh, go pretty crazy if you guys met again. I'm certainly, uh, I, I guess I'm I'm unbiased, but a little piece of me is, is hoping we get that rematch because it was such a good game. Trent Beckley, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, and best of luck moving forward. I'm sure we'll hear from you and your guys as we move forward. All right. Thanks, Joshua. Go Buffs. All right, guys, that was great. It's always tough to listen to the guys that have lost in the championship game of TBT. I know whenever I speak to Mike Iliano from uh, Team 23 or, uh, you know, for example, Davin White of Team 23, it's always difficult. And I know the Barstool guys uh, back in 2014 felt the same way. But they do seem optimistic and hopeful about the 2017 tournament as well. Yeah, and I think if you watch them, um, uh, I mean, if uh, Trent especially, and uh, I'll, I'll have a chance to listen to, to Hall as well, but Trent, I mean, he really believes that they have a team that can win it. I kind of was, uh, you know, questioning him at the end, how do you beat uh, an overseas elite? And he didn't, he wasn't gushing over them. It was more, uh, we just have to play the game that we played, and if we play it, and, you know, you got one or two calls that go a different way, we can 
win that game. So they're really confident. They have a good core, and uh, they, they should have really kind of a, a lion's share of people to pick from uh, now after they made the run who are going to want to play for them. So, um, you know, always making the championship, yeah, you're down that you didn't win, but um, you kind of have a lot of inherent advantages coming into the next year in terms of people wanting to play for you, uh, just making the run and having that uh, kind of camaraderie with each other. So they're in a good position moving forward. And you felt the same thing, I'm sure, Maury, talking to Trent, right? Marcus, yeah. Marcus, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, you know, Marcus echoed the same thing. I mean, he liked having, he likes going into TBT 2017 with the target on his back. Uh, you know, he knows more about the tournament now after playing in TBT 2016 with, with it being a second year. I mean, he said, you know, just going into the tournament, he knew, you know, the teams that they were going to play, it was easier to scout. So a lot of, you know, things that, that they learned in TBT 2016 that will definitely roll over and help out in 2017. It's one of the interesting things about Overseas Elite as a team, and I, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but what I observe is that they don't tend to blow anybody out. They're not really like winning these games by 40, 50 points. They're not so um, obviously better than everybody. And I think as a, as a result, everybody feels like they can beat these guys, and, but you nobody know, has yet. Do you guys have any thoughts on that as to why that might be? Josh, we'll start with you. Yeah, and you know, I've been able to watch them now pretty much every game that they've played in for two years now. And uh, I, I think, A, no team has played a full 36-minute game against them. Um, I think Team 23 probably came the closest, but when you still every game you'll have a, a five- to eight-minute gap where they just are they're not feeling it. You know, it, it just not uh, coming to them. You know, they're kind of fighting it. So I think that's, A, you have to play – a full 36 minutes and B you kind of mentioned it. I mean, nobody, you know, they have a bunch of very good players, but they don't have, um, you could already DJ Kennedy, but they don't have that one player who's going to really take over a game. Uh, Kyle Fogg did in the, with the 42 point game last year. But, um, again, they, they just don't have, it, it's a team effort. And I think, uh, while they don't blow anyone out and maybe, you know, at different times in the game, different guys, or, or trying to fight it a little bit and get it going. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the last 10 minutes of your game, nobody is better playing as a team than them closing out a game. And uh, it's kind of when they, they hit their stride a little bit. The last uh, 10 minutes of the game, they get that lineup they want in, they get the guys who are feeling it that day, and uh, it's really tough to beat them then. And that, that's when we've seen them make a lot of big runs late in games and pull away, uh, you know, comeback wins or, or uh, you know, a tie game with five minutes left. They're the team who's going to pull away and win that game. And you, you feel that same way, more? And you spoke to Kyle a couple of episodes ago and I was listening and he said their best trait is the composure and Marcus Hall echoed the same thing. You know, Kyle said, Josh, what you just said. I mean, he said their poise late in the game is their best trait and they do have a ton of talent. They're really deep. They don't really have that one star, which makes them really lethal because you don't know who, you know, is going to go off on, on, on a single, on a single game. Uh, it can be DJ Kennedy. It could be Kyle Fogg. It could be, you know, Mike Cabongo with his electric electric speed. So it doesn't really matter. Their composure towards the end of the game is just killer, and that's kind of you know what's helped them uh, be 13-0 and 0 after two years. All right, let's get some, some updates now around the world. Maury, why don't we start with you? All right, Dan, we uh, have two players from 20th and Alni, one in Iceland and one in Argentina. Tyrone Garland just put up 41 points, which is the second highest scoring output uh, in all of professional basketball overseas. He was eight for eight from three. Uh, and his last previous four games, uh, he only hit nine threes. So that just shows you, you know, the way the way he was feeling it. He also had seven steals in that game, 41 points in a win for his team in Iceland. He's playing in the top division over there. He's averaging 28 points a game, six assists, five rebounds, four steals, really filling up the stat sheet across the board. For a guard, he's only shooting 68% from the free throw line, Dan. So if he can definitely get that up to 70%, 75%, maybe even close to 80%, like he's been shooting you know, from three over the last game or two, he could definitely maybe even have a, a game of 50 points or 55 points. He's definitely really been able to score the ball very well. And his teammate Rodney Green has been playing really well over the last couple of weeks as well down in Argentina. Again, they're both from 20th and Alney. Rodney Green... His team's 14 and 11 right now, riding a five-game winning streak. Four out of their last five wins have come from five points or less, including two wins by just one point. And in that span, Rodney Green averaging over 20 points a game, prolific score in college, and he's kept that up in all of his years playing professionally. Now in Japan, um, Brian Harper from Train to Go, 
Uh, he's played phenomenally. I mean, he took his train to go team all the way to the elite eight, uh, 28 points and 19 rebounds. He's coming off quite the performance, 12 offensive rebounds, uh, of those 19 rebounds. He's seventh best in the league, uh, in rebounds, a little over eight, and he's been averaging a double double in his last eight games. So all these players really hitting their strides, you know, as we hit the new year, as we hit the middle towards the end of their seasons where they need to help their teams make the playoffs, much like, uh, you know, in TBT, when games get tight, these players come through, especially down the stretch, Super 16, Elite Eight, when when the bright lights come on. Uh, now in Lebanon, uh, Cleveland Melvin from Team BDB uh, in the South region, he's had a great season as well. 21 points, almost 10 rebounds a game, couple dimes thrown in there. Cleveland Melvin, the product from DePaul. And then obviously the name everybody knows, DJ Kennedy, coming off a triple-double a few weeks ago, his first triple-double ever uh, in China. He also just came off of 34 points, nine rebounds, four assists, four steals the other day. Dan, his team's not doing too hot. They're 5-24. and 24. I'm sure he wants to get back to TBT to winning, but DJ Kennedy really making a name for himself, averaging about 25 points over there in China. Hey, speaking of Team D- uh, BDB, Josh, maybe you want to chime in on this one as it involves a couple of people that you know, but... Uh, I was texting with Josh Selby the other day, and apparently he's going over to Israel, and he's replacing Tyshawn Taylor. Do you know anything about that, Josh? I do not, Dan. That's breaking news. I I said on the uh, show like a month or two ago I wanted to go over there to watch Tyshawn play. Uh, So, no, I know nothing about it, but um, I'll certainly do a little investigation and try to get back by next uh, podcast. But, wow, Uh, that's – I mean, two guys who played together in college, Tyshawn – was the third or third or fourth leading scorer over there. And uh, so, I don't know, must be some kind of, you know, the, that's the thing about playing over in another country. You always, you know, you never know contract, what's going on, and um, things are always changing over there. So uh, weird weird kind of news to hear, considering how well he was playing over yeah, there. Yeah, it was. I, I'm sure he's going on to something else. It looks like now, I'm not sure what it says in Eurobasket, Maccabi... Maccabi KG is where he is at Tyshawn Taylor. Um, the other thing I was going to tell you is that uh, LaSalle, which you mentioned Tyrone Garland a second ago, but LaSalle played Davidson last night, beat him, I think, 91-83. And the two GMs I was in touch with earlier in the week, just randomly, Will Tony from Davidson, Matt Bloom from LaSalle, both were pretty geared up for that A-10 matchup last night, but a good win for LaSalle, obviously, over a very good Davidson team. Josh, you got some updates uh, from around the world as well? Well, it's fair. Dan, my first guy is from 20th and only, actually. Great. Uh, and before we get to him, uh, we, we have an all-Colorado episode here. We actually have in Europe, the first time I've seen it, we have an all-France. All five guys are playing over in France. Um, it was just an electric week over there, so uh, I guess we're kind of sticking with that theme. We're going to begin with Steve Smith from 20th and only. He is playing for Shalom's Reims. He, uh, he was actually named one of the top performers of the week. He had 22-7 and seven in a big upset win over uh, Shalom, a different team, you know, same kind of name, different team. Uh, he had 22. It was a big upset win over there. Uh, and he leads his team in scoring with nearly 17 a game and 5.7 rebounds. Cameron Clark from the Untouchables, he had his third consecutive 25-point game and a uh, big win for them this week. They're, his team really firing over there. Um, and he's averaging 17.6 points per game, and he scored at least 10 points in 13 of 14 this year, uh, leading up to the three-game tear where you know, where he's had 25 in a row. And before that, he actually only hit 20 points one time, so now 25 points three times in a row, really hitting his stride, Cameron Clark from the Untouchables. Micah Downs, a guy from Few Good Men, he... Uh, it actually plays alongside Marcel Somerville, really a guy that we know well here at TBT for Intenti or Orleans. Uh, Somerville actually leads the team with 15.6 points and uh, 6.4 rebounds per game, but it was Downs who had a big game and a win over Dijon. Uh, he had 22 and 8 rebounds in 38 minutes of action, and he's now had 13 points in each of his last five games. Two more guys to get to Jamal Schuler. From HBC, he was one of those AMR guys who played for them in 2015, and then made the jump over to HBC in TBT 2016. He actually plays with foes Brandon Davies, a teammate of Tyshawn Taylor, who Dan mentioned a while ago, and um, he had a couple of big baskets for his 14 and two first place Monica team and a big 
set 84 to 70 win over Nantier Schuler has 14.2 points per game. And uh, there was a big article about him over in France. He's actually becoming one of the best uh, guys who, who come off the bench, a six man kind of role in the league. Uh, he shoots the three ball well and gets to the lane. So Jamal Schuler playing well off the bench and had a big game in a win over Nantiri. And lastly, Dario Hunt, former armored athlete star. Uh, playing well also in France. Again, all five guys playing over there. And he has fourth double-double of the year, 15 points, 10 rebounds, and a 35 minutes of action. Uh, and, and again, he's leading his team with nearly eight rebounds per game. And he's a guy who uh, played really well for Armored Athlete, playing well over in France, Our all as are uh, all five of these guys, Stephen Smith, Cameron Clark, Micah Downs, Jamal Schuler, and Dario Hunt. So uh, maybe a league to watch out for moving forward. A lot of TBT guys playing well. You know, it's interesting. I just looked up what was going on here with um, Tyshawn Taylor and Josh Selby. So it does look like Selby replaced Tyshawn Taylor on this um, Maccabi Kiryat Gott team, but he also joined by Brandon Bowman from LA Unified, who just uh, wow. switched over from the Spiru team that he was playing for, I believe, in Cyprus. So a lot of interesting developments. I love these midseason transfers or whatever they call them in, in that they call it in uh, basketball, but teams really go out and get what they need, and uh, they don't necessarily have to trade anything to do it. They just kind of you know, pay whatever they have to pay to get it done. Um, those are really interesting developments. You know, I actually, um, little rumor I was hearing this week about Marcella Somerville, Josh, was that there was a fellow Midwest regional team from 2016 that contacted him, uh, trying to get him to switch over from the always a brave Bradley alumni team. And, uh, you know, he's he's going to roll with his Bradley guys this summer. It sounds like that always a brave team is going to reload this summer too. Daniel Ruffin is recovering from that Achilles injury that he had in the semifinals on ESPN last summer. And uh, it sounds like also Zach Andrews, a Bradley alum that has played with Team 23 the last couple of years, uh, is is geared up to play for that Bradley team too. So it's going to be a lot of interesting developments. I love when the players move from one team to another because it just is a fascinating you know uh, series of events that leads to those kind of things happening. Well, this is great, guys. Some really good stuff. Um, so, guys, new president as of uh, well, we're recording this on Friday, shortly before the inauguration. Barack Obama is going to be out of office. Uh, as of uh, noon Eastern time on January 20th, and he's looking for something to do. And there was a great article that I just read. Uh, it was a, basically an oral history of Obama's obsession with the game of basketball, and it really made me think about how perfect he would be as a TBT GM. It seems like a no-brainer for him. He's very good at getting out the vote, which, as we know, is very important in TBT. Seems to know everybody involved in the game of basketball. They had quotes from everybody from Arnie Duncan to uh, Chris Paul to Shane Battier. Uh, I read that Dante Jones was among the people that he's played pickup ball with, who obviously has TBT experience. Uh, Reggie Love is his body man who played at Duke, national champion, captain of the team. Seems like he could pull together a pretty good team. Yeah, and Dan, I mean, we were talking a little bit on Twitter. I, I really don't think it's that big of a stretch. I mean, uh, he's he's retired at the age of 55. Um He's in great, you know, in physical shape. So uh, I think he could do it. I mean, check out the tournament.com. Dan, you put up a pretty good list of people who uh, could potentially play for them. I was trying to think, um, you know, who else could possibly play on that team? Nothing's com nothing is coming to mind. But uh, what we really need then is Mitt Romney to put together a team. And, you know, he did that charity <laughs> boxing thing with yeah. Tyson. So he, he's kind of open to fun events like that. So we really need them to put together a team. And if that happens, Dan, we, we pretty much just have to give them both a bye to the final. Well, you and, think and so? I don't know. I mean, I think they got to earn it, you know? I mean, that's the best part about TBT is that everybody's got to earn earn your way there. Nothing's given to you. And, uh, you know, even if you're Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, or, you know, Joe Blow from down the street, you still got to get your way there, right? Yeah, that's true. And uh, actually... You know, I don't think uh, Mitt Romney would, would fare too well. I, I like Mitt Romney as a guy, but I think Obama, I probably on the court, would get the uh, better of him for the second time. So uh, it might not be a, a too too big of a run for the Romney team. But I think Obama, I don't think it's that far-fetched, Dan. I think he could put something together and, and um, maybe not play, but at least boost the team because uh, TBT would be an event kind of right up his alley. I think he knows about it. I'd be stunned if he doesn't know about TBT, and I'd be stunned if it hasn't at least momentarily crossed his mind that this is something that he could do that would be fun. He <laughs> um, has one more thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is obviously not something we plan on talking about, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Fran Fischilla posted a, a piece earlier this week uh, on ESPN.com ranking the top 12 leagues around the world, and it's caused a little bit of a, a furor uh, from some people that feel like their leagues were 
uh, over underrated rather. Uh, some other leagues were overrated. I want to get your thoughts on this. So let's go over the top five. He puts the EuroLeague as number one, which to me seems pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, those are basically the creme de la creme of all European basketball. Uh, second one he's got is Spain's Liga ACB, which is the top league in Spain. The third one is the Turkish Basketball Super League, the BSL, which is where Darusha Faka and uh, David Blatter, you know, uh, doing great so far. But also Galatasaray and a whole bunch of other great teams. Uh, Russia's VTB United League, and then in fifth place he's got Germany's Basketball Bundesliga, and that was the one that seemed to be uh, causing the most source of debate. I was kind of wondering what you guys are, are thinking about those. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead, more. Uh, no, I mean. I- I like the list. I think, you know, it's his opinion. Fran's got a great basketball mind. Obviously, you know, he's tremendous. He knows a ton about the game. But I think, Dan, what's great about the game of basketball, and you see this in March Madness, you definitely see this in TBT, is if you can play ball, I mean, you can play against the best of the best. As long as you have a good supporting cast, you can go out and beat anybody on any given night. And and I think a lot of teams have showed that uh, in TBT. A lot of teams show that. You know, in March Madness every year, just because you're a 12, 13, 14, even 15 seed we've seen in recent years, Norfolk State, Florida Gulf Coast. If you have, you know, a good team, if you're good players, if you play a good brand of basketball, you play great defense, there's no reason why you can't compete with the top players. So, you know, I'm not really a big guy for for standings and for rankings. You know, that's really personal opinion and there's no right or wrong there. I think it's just, you know, who he likes Um more in, in certain leagues or, or with the, or the styles that he likes. But I definitely don't think that, you know, just because he ranks these, these top 12 means that those are one through 12, you know, you know, set in stone. Yeah. Josh, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought Russia even too, I thought the four and five were, um, maybe, you know, Fran knows a lot more than me. I thought, um, you know, Puerto Rico gets a lot of uh, play for being a good league. Israel, which we just talked about, is a very good league. France is a very good league. So, um, you know, it, it's tough to kind of categorize them into five. But, um, get you know, uh, pieces like that, that's what it's for, for discussion. What do you think? This is what I think. I probably wouldn't have went the same four and five. Again, I would have looked at Puerto Rico, Israel, France. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, those are probably the three that come to mind. But, um, you know, the thing about, you know, these leagues, too, is they change so much every year. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Euro League is always kind of number one um, just because all the talent there. But after that, I mean, you know, these teams rotate so much every year that it kind of changes on a really minute by minute basis, as we saw with, you know, Tyshawn Taylor leaving, Selby coming. So uh, one big player can kind of sway a whole league. So, um, you know, very interesting take there in Definitely an article worth a read. Absolutely. If anyone wants to check that out, that's on ESPN's NBA uh, page. Fran Fraschilla wrote it. I think it came out on Tuesday. Guys, great updates from around the world. Thank you so much for everything that you've done uh, this week and the research-wise and obviously on the interviews. Remember that if you want to know more about TBT, you can check us out on thetournament.com. We're on all the social networks at the tournament, except for Instagram, which is the.tournament. I don't know if I've talked about that before, but it's the.tournament on Instagram. And hey, have you guys heard about this new social network slash messaging system called Viber, V-I-B-E-R. I have it. Well, guess what? TBT's on it. We're the <laughs> tournament at Viber. <laughs> so it's viber.com backslash the tournament. Uh, it's a pretty great uh, system, so we're going to work on that one too. Uh, don't forget, and I'm sure you guys have already done this and told all your family and friends to do it as well, but if you haven't downloaded and subscribed to TBT's podcast, you're really missing out. You get all the latest on TBT. Subscribe on iTunes press that review button, write us a review, obviously give us five stars because this is the ultimate five-star podcast. And uh, you guys have told all your friends and family to do that, right? I have, yeah. I get. Uh, I actually subscribe on all of my Apple devices too. So I have three of them now. So I, I get you know three podcasts every week. So uh, it's great. You have to listen on every device. <laughs> More, are you doing the same, I hope? We have some very loyal fans up at Quinnipiac in the Philadelphia region. All right, very good. All right, guys, until next week or the next time we hop on, we'll get some updates. Uh, Again, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all again soon. (laughs) 